Right, I've been thinking this morning <laughs> about not sleeping. I do not sleep sometimes. I've been thinking of the craziest times that I haven't slept. So obviously I had five kids, four kids, five and under. So they were some crazy times. Um, but I was thinking of Bible weeks. I was laughing at some of the Bible weeks. We did have some noisy neighbours. Um, I was laughing at one Bible week. Trevor leant over on the lilo. He was getting a book from one of the pockets and he stuck his wedding ring through the lilo. And I was just lying there having this... Just waiting for my bottom to hit the ground, knowing that that night would not be a good night's sleep. Um, there's one night we went camping and in the morning and the night, there was a light, a little, I'd never seen it before, the, the ground sheet was moving, like that. I thought, earthquake, what is it? We realised on packing up the tent at the end of the week, underneath my pillow, under the ground sheet, was a little tiny nest. And curled up in the little tiny nest was a little tiny mouse. It was really cute. I have um, slept on the floor in a hut in the Philippines with no air conditioning. That was quite difficult. I have shared... Um, we went to Cuba. They had two single beds, put a, pl- a plank across the two single beds, and four of us slept across there. That was quite hard work. But the funniest one that I could remember, and it does involve a Cosgrove and a Glad Hill was at a youth weekend away. It is difficult when you're trying to prepare and keep yourself fresh for worship, and keep yourself fresh for preparing the word, when the kids are running around screaming their heads off. So this morning, particular weekend away, it was quite a long time ago, I thought, what are they doing now? Got outside. They were having a toothpaste fight. <laughs> so I got outside to see all these girls covered in toothpaste, at half past two, three in the morning. So that was quite a funny one. But the story we're doing today is a man who slept on this. Now, I kind of think, that's not what I would choose for a pillow. But let's read the story. It's in Genesis, if you'd like to turn to in Genesis. Uh, Genesis 28. I'm reading from the voice, so it might be a little bit different. Isaac called to Jacob, verse 1, and blessed him again and instructed him, Isaac, you're not to marry one of the Canaanite women. Get up and pack your things and go to Padam Aran, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and find a wife there. Right, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Um... So, verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and travelled towards Haran. As dusk approached one day, he came to a place where he could stay for the night. He saw stones scattered all around. Feels a bit familiar. Um, (coughs) Scattered all around and put one of them under his head. Then he lay down to sleep. During the night, God gave him a dream. He saw a ladder set upon the earth, and its top reached the heavens. And he saw some messengers, or angels of God, ascending and descending on it. At the very top stood the Eternal One. 
I am the eternal one, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you are now lying is a land I have promised to give to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as many as there are specks of dust on the earth. You will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. Through your descendants, all the families of the earth will find true blessing. Know I am with you, and I will watch over you no matter where you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done all I've promised you. The dream ended, and Jacob woke up from his sleep on his rock. He said to himself, There is no doubt in my mind that the Eternal One is in this place. And I didn't even know it. But even as he said this, a bit of fear came over him. This place is absolutely awesome. It can be none other than the house of God and the gateway into heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he'd put under his head. And he made it into a pillar. And he poured oil on it. To commemorate his experience with God, he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. Before that, the name of the city had been called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow. If God is going to be with me, keeping me safe on this journey and giving me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I return to my father's house in peace, then the eternal will be my God. And this stone I've made into a pillar will be the first stone laid in God's house. And the Lord of everything you give me, I will give you one-tenth, always back to you. (coughs) Story of Jacob. Now, part of what makes me amazed of where he's asleep is the fact that he's run away from home. He doesn't know if he's going to see his parents again. In fact, he does never see his mum again. She dies before he gets back. He doesn't know where he's going. He's never met these uh, relatives. He doesn't know whether they're going to treat him kindly. He's tricked his brother out of his birthright and his inheritance. He's running in shame and fear. And yet he still manages to sleep. His head's in the dust, but he sees something of the heavens. And it reminds me of the chickens in the dust. And our hearts set on heaven, or our feet on the earth, and our heads above the clouds. The whole um, thing about seeing something into the spiritual realm. I've got heaven and earth on these here, can you, on this table. If you can see, they're on opposite ends. I'll be using these all the way through. We say heaven is up there, and earth is down here, but it's not really. Heaven's in this room. Heaven's here. It's just a different realm, just a different... But sometimes it's just helpful and God kind of gives us pictures that help us. But I'm going to show you something that's slightly different. It's like heaven's up there, heaven's down there, but it's not. It's a different It's a different portal into a different space and time dimension. So I'm going to show you our friend Jodie. She's going to show you what it really looks like. Whatever's in the woods, could it have come through this portal? Possibly. Don't know. Didn't see much. I need to take a proper look. Hey, Doc, do you think he's safe? I doubt it. It's a juddering dimensional portal in a mirror in a Norwegian bedroom. I'm coming with you. Me too. So am I. And me. Whatever's happening, I'm staying with you. I can't let you do that, Hannah. 
I don't know what's through there. You're safe here. Your dad made sure of that. Also, I need you to keep protecting this house from whatever's outside. It's a jaddering portal in a mirror in Norwegian. Norway. That's what heaven looks like. It's a portal into a different dimension, a different space. It doesn't look like earth. So whatever culture we're settled here, heaven doesn't look like that. And having your head in the dust can sometimes be hard if your heart's in heaven. I want to share something, um, why having my head in the dust means so much to me. Because um, I will not, I don't know, I'm crying. Um, I've always suffered with mental health issues ever since I was a teenager. And it's something that we don't often talk about in church. And one of the blackest, darkest times about four or five years ago, when I did actually have a breakdown, and I couldn't get out of my bedroom for three weeks. It was that dark, that black. I couldn't, it was like having my head in the dust in the dark. You can't put sentences together. You can't think in lines. You can't, you can't read. You can't watch telly. It's like nothing you experience. You just have to be. But even lying in the dust, my heart was still on heaven. Because your soul, if you're born again, is incorruptible. Your soul is incorruptible. Even if your head is in the dust, even if you're lying in grief, lying in pain, lying in physical pain, or mental pain, emotional stress, your soul is incorruptible because it lies in the heavenly places. It's intermingled with the heaven. It's intermingled with God. He's in you and you are in him. And that is something no one can take away from you. So even if everything is falling around you, your circumstances, your head, your heart, whatever it is that seems to be breaking, your soul can still be with, in whatever that looks like, however weak that may be, you can still reside with God in the heavenly places. You can still go through the portal and spend time with the Father. Um, And this place that Jacob comes back to, where heaven and earth intermingle, his life kind of gets a little bit messy after this. And he goes to his brother, his because it's not his uncle, so uncle Laban's house. And it all gets messy, and he gets two wives instead of one, and he gets striped goats, and then he gets spotted sheep, and then he gets no spotted sheep, and then he gets all sorts of things, and he comes back and says, what on earth is this about? And eventually God says, just remember this. Remember that time you made that vow to me, and I was real to you? And he said, yeah, I remember that. And then in the end he says, go back to that place, because it's a special place. And God spoke to me and says, This transition we're going through, God will keep bringing us back to this moment if we don't learn to transition well, because this place, this point is so important. Laying our lives down in dedication, laying our hearts down in true worship is so important. If we ever get distracted, he will keep bringing us back. So it's best to take this with us so we don't keep going around in circles. So we actually are pilgrims to somewhere. We don't end up 40 years in the wilderness going around in circles. We want to learn this lesson well. We want to look at our hearts well. We want to lay our lives down well um, to move forward. So we've looked at one place where heaven and earth intermingle. I want to look at somebody else who, you'll know this person very well, who around him, heaven and earth, um, opened up to each other. 
seemed to be very thin. And that was Jesus. So there's a point in his baptism in Matthew 3, verse 16. You don't need to turn to it. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son, and he brings me great joy. I just remember going to all the nativities where my children played cows and Mary and did solos. I remember that moment where they stood up on stage and you wanted to shout out, This is my daughter, this is my son, look, they bring me so much happiness. And this is like God peeping through the theatre stage curtains, going, look, he couldn't hold his joy back anymore. Heaven opened. And and we saw a God so happy in his son, a spirit who couldn't contain himself and had to come down. And the whole relationship between the three of them. You can't look into heaven and stay on your own. It's not a place of one person. As soon as heaven opened, one of the first things we saw is relationship. And people are joining each other's relationship. You have to be with each other. has to be together. So not only... You're wondering what the bags are for. I'll show you a minute. Not only is around Jesus a place where there's a thin place, where heaven and earth mix. In Jesus, within him was a place where earth and heaven opened up to each other. So from 1 John 1 verse 1, let's have a look at this. I'd like to read it out. It's all about Jesus. Just generally, it's all about Jesus. But this verse is all about Jesus as well. 1 John 1 verse 1. says, That which was from the beginning... He can only be God if he's from the beginning. Which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. It says they've seen it and looked at him. And touched it, but it was a word. Now, I thought this was a little bit weird, so I thought of a word. And I thought of pancakes. (laughs) I thought, it's a word. Now I've said the word. Can you see the pancake? Can you actually see it, though? Could Could you put lemon on it right now and sugar? Could you eat it? It's weird, isn't it? It says it's a word. And you can see it. But Jesus actually, the word inside him, the message, life, you could actually see it. Because he embodied the very words that filled his life. So so love was a word that filled Jesus. You could see love. Healing was a word that filled Jesus. You could see healing. Salvation was a word that filled Jesus. You could see it. And sometimes as Christians, we are so full of so many words, and yet they're just words. You can't see them. And it's almost like this. I'll choose my first one. It's only a small one. 
It's almost like Jesus was a bag. Now, obviously, this is a bit risky, but just go with me. His life was full of the presence and the love and everything from heaven, power, transformation, and his body was just a casing. So we look after our bodies, don't we? But it's not where our true selves lie. They lie inside. And the same with Jesus. He was life. He was love. He was power. But he just had the casing of a human body. So the gospel of love and life was a message he was carrying just like a container. And this was exploding with the true Jesus all the time, exploding with power, love, and life. And he moved around. Now, on this side, I've got earth. And this side, I've got heaven. And the place between them for Jesus was sin, but he still had to work at it. He had to go up to his father's place. And he worshipped. And as he worshipped and prayed... He caught things from heaven. So as he prayed and he sung in the spirit, receiving peace right now. Receiving hope right now. Receiving compassion right now. And as he spent time in God's presence, He filled himself, remember the bag, he's not carrying a bag, he is the bag. He filled his heart up with the words and the truth from heaven. And he took them to earth and he distributed them liberally. Here's some love. Here's some compassion. Here's some hope. Here's some peace. Here's some joy, Maxine. And he went back to heaven again. And he just kept doing that. Constantly. So this place gets thinner and thinner for Jesus. It doesn't take so long. His bag's full. He's constantly taking the treasures and the truth from heaven to earth and distributing them. It looks a little bit like this. A bit of a fun prize. This is another bag. We won't watch right to the end. We just want to see what happens to the bag. This is almost what it looks like when Jesus was distributing goodies from his bag. I'm afraid the nursery isn't very tidy. It is rather like a bear pit, isn't it? That's a funny sort of bag. Carpet. You mean to carry carpets in? Nope, made of. This is your room, and there's a lovely view of the park. Well, it's not exactly Buckingham Palace. Still, it's clean. Yes, I think it will be quite suitable. Just needs a touch here and there. Well, first things first. I always say the place to hang a hat is on a hat stand. Never 
I much prefer seeing all of my face at the same time. But there was nothing in it. Never judge things by their appearance. Even carpet bags. I'm sure I never do. Beauty is a joy forever. Hmm, a little more light, perhaps. We better keep an eye on this one. She's tricky. She's wonderful. Much better. Oh, let me see. It's mm. funny. I always carry it with me. It must be here somewhere. What? My tape measure. What do you want it for? I want to see how you two measure up. Oh, that's the funniest thing I ever saw. I know it's funny. It's funny. Oh, here it is. Good. Quickie. Head up, Michael. Don't slouch. Just as I thought. Extremely stubborn and suspicious. <laughs> I am not. See for yourself. <laughs> Extremely stubborn and suspicious. Suspicious. Now you, Jane. Rather inclined to giggle doesn't put things away. <laughs> How about you? Very well. Hold this for me. As I expected, Mary Poppins practically perfect in every way. I couldn't resist it. There's a number of lessons we can learn. Don't judge by what you see. People judged Jesus and said, who on earth is this guy? Yet he carried with him a whole resource of heaven inside him. The whole depths, the truths. And as well, he, she pulls out the um, measuring tape and she comes out with truths for the, for the kids that they can learn from. And it's like Jesus went to heaven and came back with all this truth. All the truths that just kept brimming over from him. What does your bag contain? If I was to ask you right now to open your bag and we looked inside you, what would you contain? Here's my Christmas bag. Because sometimes we're so busy following the culture of our life and our world, we forget to go to heaven, which is the only precious place things are. We fill our bags with rubbish, with Facebook, with watching TV with material things, following the latest fashions. My bag's full of rubbish and hot air. <laughs> There's nothing worth passing on to anybody in my bag. I filled it with the wrong things. I haven't been into heaven. I haven't gone and asked for things, for gifts from heaven. What are you putting in your bag? It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Now, Jesus was more than just a container. Because things didn't just go in his bag and he took them across. There was a flow. There was a flow of power from heaven. A flow of transforming love from heaven. And the same way, from earth to heaven, when he was standing on earth, he said, I am the door. And I am, I'm looking at all my I am's. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light. I am the truth and the life. I am the vine. He's basically saying he's a passageway. He's a passageway to heaven where he can take people who haven't glimpsed the Father's face and he can show you them. So there's something going on here. He's taking the power and resources from heaven down to earth and he's saying, but I can show you what the Father looks like. He says, but I can show you peace. I can give you peace and forgiveness. But if you see what I'm doing, you'll also see the Father. And he becomes a way in which a pathway in which heaven and earth become intermingled. Something really incredible happens. I want this one next. Because Jesus is no longer a bag. He becomes away from heaven to earth. Where there's a flow, it's a conduit, a flow from heaven to earth, nothing stopping it. Higher. (laughs) Nothing stopping the flow for Jesus. But we can be the same. We can be conduits from heaven to earth. So since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face. The people of Israel could not see his glory. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit is, there is freedom. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we change into his glorious image. We can bring love and power from heaven. And we can also show and reflect the Father's face. We can be conduits of both ways. But it depends on you starting to walk this path to make it thin. For for Jesus, he did all the hard work. He made this way open. But for us, some of us, the way is a little bit restricted. We can fill it with things that shouldn't be in here. Selfish ambition. Vain conceit. We can fill it with things, bad attitudes. We can fill it with disobedience. We can restrict the flow. And it's not about the conduit. It's not about being the best tunnel. It's not about being the best way. It's about lives laid down for other people so they can see Jesus and we can can pass the power for heaven down. It's all about him. It's all about him showing people who he's like, bringing change and transformation to our community. It's all about him. So we can flow between both ways. Filling people's lives with the goodness from heaven 
but drawing people into the throne room itself. Now, I've got very practical ways of how we can increase the flow, how we can increase this flow, and also practical ways of what restricts this flow. I've got a very special bag here. This reminds me of my dad who passed away last year. Anybody knows what this paper bag's for? This is what I have seen in some churches in the past, especially when you go around collecting things that fall from heaven. Okay, so it's peace. And then it's love over here. Oh, got it. And then it's kindness. And then a little bit of joy. In my bag. Going to take it home now. For me and my family. Right, I'm going to go back on Sunday, right? I'm going to have a little bit of love. A little bit of joy. Going to take it home now. We take the blessings of heaven and we keep them to ourselves. We keep them to the people who, who give back to us. We keep them to the people who we know are going to be kind back to us. And we forget that actually we're meant to be flowing. That will stop the flow if you stop giving out and you keep this for yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is not for us. It's for the nations. It's for the community. It's for those down your street. It's for those in your workplace. It's for those around you. It's not for us. And unless the love comes from heaven, unless the true love comes from heaven through us, it becomes a sentimental love. It becomes something that's not pure. It can become diluted and twisted with our own ambitions and our own desires to be recognized and our own desires to be loved. So when it comes out this side, it actually doesn't look anything like the Father. It isn't unconditional. It isn't free. It has limits. And it also has restraints. The only way of getting unconditional love is spending time with the Father. Spending time in the throne room. Bringing goodness and wholeness from the heavenly realms and making sure they're from heaven, not from your own hearts. It also involves realistic praying, I think. So things like we're praying, um, Lord, let everyone in this room show your love. I could pray that, but it's unrealistic then if I just walk out the door. Because who's going to show people real love? Me. Who's going to sit next to the person who's no one knows in this room? Me. Who's going to, if we're going after intergenerational, who's going to sit next to someone who's completely 30 years old or younger than you? Me. It's going after all these words that we say that we're going for. We've actually got to put them into practice. If saying we believe in love and relationship, but I mean, I, I was challenging myself this couple of weeks ago, but sitting in the same place on a Sunday morning, so you always sat next to the same person, but we're saying we believe in relationships and talking to each other, and yet we're sitting next to the same people all the time. I was thinking, what am I doing? And how am I going to build relationships if I'm always with the same person, talking to the same age groups, talking to people I know, talking to people I know who like me? 
I want a flow from heaven to earth that transforms, that changes, that brings unconditional love, that makes people feel welcome, that makes people feel um, they belong no matter what, no matter where they're at the journey, no matter how they treat me, no matter whether they're, they're from what nationality, whether what they look like, I want them to see heaven. I want them to know God through me. So let's be inclusive. Not just on a Sunday. All those examples I've brought are on a Sunday, and that's not my heart at all. Through the week. Yes. Through, um, through what we do during the day. Yeah. Let's go after it tenaciously. Let's learn how to love well. Yes. Let's do the EHS course. Let's get sozo, get ourselves healed up. Learn how to, to love really well. Living our lives full for others. Whether that be inconvenient, whether that be embarrassing, whether that be uncomfortable. Let's tenaciously bring heaven to earth. Let's go after big bags as well. I was thinking about what do we really believe about God's provision? If we're carrying things from heaven to earth, what kind of size bag do you need? If you were to bring it, I mean, I know we're talking about tunnels now, but I was kind of thinking, do we just think in heaven there's not enough? Do we think there's restriction to God's love or God's provision? I just kind of think, what kind of God do we think we're serving? Let's think bigger. Let's understand that God's resources are unlimited. But the last one I want to look at is drawing people up to heaven. I don't remember the, um, we won't play it again, the, the Doctor Who clip when they said, can I come with you? Doctor Who was going to go into the portal and see a whole new realm. And they were going, can we come with you? And I want to be someone who, when I worship, people say, I want to go with her. I don't know what she's on. I don't know what's happening to her. But I want to see what's happening. I want to see. Because I can see that there's something happening in the spirit. There's someone, Stella worships, I want to be with her. I want to go with Stella. She's found a thin place. I want to, Sometimes I stand next to her. There's a thin place. If you struggle with worship, stand next to Stella. You will find the thin place she's standing in and your spirit will explode, honestly. But it's laying down our lives in radical love and devotion to God. You can't get to this place of worshipping freely and opening up. You can't do it if you are being, if you've got issues and if you've got, if you've got holding sticks still and if you have attitudes or disobedience or anything in your heart or just wrong Wrong lies that you're believing about yourself, about who you are. And not to be just singers, but to be worshippers. To be those very people at your core and your heart. You just want to bless God. You just want to spend time with him. When you're you're waking up and walking down the street, you're just worshipping him. You're just being with him. You're just... I mean, I sing in Sainsbury's and everything. There are other shops in Huddersfield. And I get people, all people think, what, what are you on? It's like, I'm just singing. It's all right. Don't mind me. It's because wherever you go, if you make a thin place, people will see something. And I think worship, wholehearted worship, where we lay down our lives without any, any bother about ourselves, is the key to seeing new miracles. The key to seeing lives restored. The key to seeing heaven come to earth. The key to seeing a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in this place. 
It will be like Jacob's ladder where the angels come down to join us because they hear us singing so loudly. It will be a portal to the throne room of God where people will say, can I come with you? Whatever's happening, I'm going to come. And I've got three things I had on my heart. It's like when you worship so free, you dance with whatever's moving. There's something that sets inside you. You just want to move because you see something moving in God. Yeah, Stella. When Stella moves, I just think, I want to go and dance over with Stella. It waits for that which is missing. So when you're worshiping, you know something's missing in yourself or something's just missing in the atmosphere, in the room, in your job. It waits patiently for it. And it draws out that which is coming. There is something coming. There is something coming, a promise of God that's coming. And those that worship know how to stand and wait for it and draw it closer. So meet with God in his presence as often as you can. Worship corporately as often as you can because God is asking us to come together. So that needs to be a priority for us that we come together, we pray together, we worship together, we meet together, we make friends together. Worship through devouring the Bible. Sing again in your spirit. Sing again in tongues. Sing again in the fields. Sing wherever you are washing up. Sing as you're fixing the car. Um, Find different ways of worshipping. Contemplative, poetry, painting, mass. If you've stopped doing some of these things that you used to do creatively, do them again. Worship while you live. And set aside a Sabbath day that you can just enjoy God and worship him. So I'd like you, because your soul, all is well with your soul. I'd like you to put your hand on your heart where you can feel, you think the bottom of that ladder to heaven is. You can feel God's presence right there. There's a song that says, all is well with my soul. And it's written by a guy who lost his business, whose children died, but who still managed to stand there and open up his portal to God and said, all is well with my soul. I can bring my sacrifice of worship. Father God, we come as those with lies laid down. It's not about the vessel that you've put all this in. Because you've made us as we are. But God, it's about the truth and the power within. God, we thank you that you've filled us with your spirit. We thank you that you've saved us and given us a new life. And God, we want to embody the word inside us. We want to become love. We want to become compassion. We want to become transformation. We want to become restoration. We want to become truth and hope and power. God, we want to become all these things and we want to show people who you are. We want to show you them, show their face to you and you're of their face and the other way around. (laughs) Father God, I just pray that right now you would stir up our hearts just to worship you. That you would open up our souls and open up our hearts and just start that flow. The flow from heaven to earth and the flow from earth to heaven. And God, may we be the place that's a thin place 
from heaven to earth. 